Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and it's showtime here again in Berks County. Once again, every Saturday morning, we meet here for showtime in Berks County, right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL. We're here every week because we all come together as the truth seekers in Southeast Pennsylvania. We come here because we know that we are truly the guideposts for truth, and people come to us because they can get the truth at the speed of sound, which is very, very quick, folks. It's very fast for many of us. But uh, we bring it that quick, and we bring a perspective. We bring a perspective that, that our listeners know is is accurate, folks. So thanks for jumping into our show with us. we got a whole lot to talk about here. And it looks like the FBI is admitting to to uh, is admitting to uh, collusion, if you will, with private industry. I think that's pretty interesting. And it looks like the New York, New, the New Mexico District Attorney is going to be charging Alec Baldwin with some uh, interference. There, we'll get into that. And I want to get a little bit that Chinese influence and what's going on and uh, and uh, what's going on in this country. We'll, we're going to get into that and a whole lot more, folks. So let's jump right into it. We now have uh, FBI Director Fayray hinting at collaboration with private sector amidst private political scandals. The FBI Director Director uh, Fay Ray alluded to collaboration between the private sector and the government, delivering remarks Thursday during the World Economic Forum as the Bureau remains mired in scandal following the Twitter files. Folks, I want to I want to remind our listeners: the FBI literally has not been around that long. I mean, when you look at it, the FBI was started back in the 30s, and uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, you know, it's been around for about 90 years. Okay, so it hasn't been around that long, and I think as we have it now, we have some uh, permanent fixtures in the FBI that do control a lot, but. I mean, what went on uh, with the FBI and the Trump collusion, the Russian collusion nonsense, where they fabricated a information to get a FISA warrant? The FBI was actually put on notice. I mean, they were actually indicted. The FBI was actually indicted for the uh, for the phony FISA warrant. Okay, they actually doctored a FISA warrant. I mean, this is what we know, and uh, you know, so th- that's one a- that's one aspect that can one item I can bring to your attention, remind our listeners. But we also have this Twitter files, what whatnot, where Fay Ray was speaking to an audience of global elites at the Davos gathering. So he's over at Davos. I think that's interesting. And uh, so he's touching on the federal government's work with with which are with ostensibly private technology companies during a discussion about the potential dangers of new technology. So the FBI chief touted the significant strides the FBI in particular has made and efforts to work more closely with the tech industry. Significant strides. I wonder what that is. You know, so, uh, you know, Fay Ray went on to say, I think the sophistication of the private sector is improving and particularly important. The, the level of collaboration between the private sector and the government, especially the FBI, has, I think, made significant strides. So pretty much every technology we could talk about today, we see both great opportunity, but great dangers in the wrong hands. So I guess he's trying to give a forelaw, a forewarning, if you will, of the wrong people getting a hold of the FBI. Interesting. Uh, and getting a hold of the power. I, I remember, uh, uh, you know, I did, what, what we have to remember here is who they are and how they forwarded up information on Trump. I just don't want to miss that. Now, Ray was commenting I mean, his comments come amid a, a flurry of reporting on how the FBI was directing censorship practices at Twitter 
and other social media companies, particularly regarding the dissemination of the New York Post's reporting on the Biden crime family corruption based on Hunter Biden's infamous laptop from hell ahead of the 2020 election. Now, they're seeing now emails that were Elon Musk has revealed and reported by journalist Michael Schellenberger uh, last month showing that the censorship on Twitter of the Post's reporting of the Biden crime family's business was an operation led by the FBI, and it was done in conjunction with Twitter. Schellenberger's reporting revealed that the federal agents discredited factual information about Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings, both before and after the New York Post revealed the contents of his laptop back in October of two years ago. Now, working with management at Twitter, and I, I mean, and, and other social media, I think you're going to find it was on other social media, Schnellenberger reports showed that the false narrative that the Post's 2020 reporting was part of an alleged hack and leak attack by Russia was conceived by who? The FBI. That's right. A narrative that was adopted by legacy permanent media, fake news media as justification of the refusal to broadcast the story. The FBI responded to the allegations by issuing a brash statement that refused to address the central claim in the reporting, saying that the internal communications released by Musk show nothing more than normal day-to-day -day operations of the, of the agency and that the release of the correspondences were conspiracy theorists propagating misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. So he's more worried about the discredit of the agency than he is voting up Pfizer warrants. I say that discrediting was already done. Okay, it was already done. Long before this, with Twitter in 2020, the FBI in its statement, folks, did not specify who was referring, who it was referring to as conspiracy theorists, nor did it provide any explanation of what materials were misinformation. So they're just kind of being, they're out there playing politics. The revelations pertaining to Twitter came after Facebook, now known as Meta, it's no longer Facebook, it's Meta. Mark Zuckerberg over the summer told Joe Rogan that the FBI was warning Facebook of propaganda ahead of the 2020 election, urging them to be censoring. So the FBI went after them to censor. Well, they did censor, we know that. Facebook did censor. What they did is they, and what they do is they put on there what they call uh, fil filtering uh, mechanisms or whatever they call it, well, you know, where, where they just, they just don't let posts be visible a visibility filtering i think they used the term was visibility filtering they they cloud the visibility so people don't see it they block people i mean that's censoring this is what facebook's already done you know the fbi uh according to uh, zuckerberg the fbi uh, basically went to them and uh and their team has said hey uh, just to let you know you might be on high alert so they're trying to alert them to try to get into this uh get into the censorship happiness and uh i guess they wanted to be the uh they wanted someone to be the purveyor of truth in Facebook and the purveyor of truth in Twitter. The problem is they put liars in charge of the purveyor of truth, and this is what you end up with. Look, after the Post published its first article with the laptop from Hunter Biden's laptop, which Facebook curbed distribution on this platform, so everybody filtered it. They just thought, uh, they just kind of thought that uh, the FBI, which uh, which which everyone, well, many people see as legitimate institution, is uh, you know, I mean, now going off of, off the deep end. And Zuckerberg, but Zuckerberg failed to see that. He wanted to, he wanted to give him credit for being professional. So you know, Zuckerberg went on to tell Joe Rogan that they come and they told him how to 
they want to make him take it seriously. So Zuckerberg said the FBI did not specifically identify Hunter Biden's laptop, but uh, they did come in and they said, look, get get into the censoring. Get into the censoring. They wanted them to censor. But I mean, don't miss it. Uh, G- Jim Jordan, uh, who's going to chair the select, the select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, I just think that's delicious. There's going to be a select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. I am blown away. I'm so happy that they're doing that. And they're going to be investigating the politicization of the FBI. So you're going to see the Republicans dig into this. They're going to have the resources of the federal government. They're going to have unlimited resources to investigate the FBI and other weaponization of the federal government. This is what they're doing now because they realize what happened. They're going to probe into communications between tech giants and oh, Biden's aides. They're going to look for the government pressure that came in that resulted in censorship and, 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 you know, visibility filtering or harassment or other things or squelching of debate or polarizing policies, including the CDC on COVID. Okay, the G- oh, they're going to be all over this stuff. Oversight Committee Chair James Comer from Kentucky said that, that the GOP must put a halt to the FBI funding until they testify before Congress about their role in censor nation, censorship nation, okay? Uh, police state nation. Now, this we know with Twitter, he said, we've heard similar stories from Zuckerberg who knows what went on at YouTube and Google. Well, we know what went on at YouTube and Google, but they're going to they're gonna start seeing these people come out of the woodwork. I think that's delicious. I think that's delicious. Most likely voters believe Congress should investigate the FBI's involvement in social media. So that, you know, you already have that going on now, according to Rasmussen. Most of them believe that. So I, I think you can rest assured they're going to have a good time and uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I just think that you're going to see <clears throat> you're going to see the censorship come out. What's interesting is that Tucker Carlson had a piece on uh, what happened with Nixon the other day. And I'm just going to give it to you by memory. So bear with me. I might have some of the details missing. So forgive me for that. But I want to go by memory. But what it is, is that Nixon uh, never trusted the government. He saw he saw the permanent fixtures that were the bureaucrats that never left. You know, those that were in charge of everything. And he also saw the corruption behind the scenes. And so Nixon, Nixon taped everything. Nixon was like the most, he was the president that, that audio taped everything. So I guess he had the head of the CIA in back uh, four days before the Watergate scandal broke in the Washington Post, Washington Times or whatever, the, what, I think it was the Post. And he was out there and he uh, he said to this guy, and of course he, he said, I know who shot, you know, John Kennedy. Jack Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, and and the uh, the CIA director sat there and said nothing. I thought it was interesting. I saw that on Tucker, and I thought, wow. So I guess the guy knew he might be audio taped. He said nothing. But what's interesting is four days later, uh, I should say four days earlier, the water the Watergate story broke, and everything. The wheels were moving to take Nixon out, and the takeout uh, the takeout um, you know as Vice President Spiro Agnew. Spiro Agnew was taken out by income tax evasion. Now I thought it was in important to remember there is who controls the investigations of income taxes, the government. So they went after Spiro Agner, Agnew and they, they took him out for income tax evasion. Then they put in, they put in uh, Gerald Ford. And it's interesting, the Democrats said, we're going to give you Ford and that's it. So the Democrats who controlled Congress, see at the time, people, our listeners may not know this, but back in 1972, the Democrats, they, they controlled about 65, 68% of Congress, both houses. There were 68 U.S. senators that were Democrat at the time, I believe. And I know there was at least 65% of the House. 
I mean, it was huge, okay? They had huge majorities in the House and Senate. So they control everything. So when they took out Nixon, they took out Spiro Agnew, they they gave them a Republican to put in that they were happy with, a Republican out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, named, uh, named Gerald Ford. Well, Gerald Ford came on as Nixon's vice president because Spiro Agnew was the first to go. So Nixon had a vice president, which was Gerald Ford. And of course, when Nixon resigned, Ford became president. So I thought what was interesting was they, they took Agnew out, Spiro Agnew out, because they did not want Spiro Agnew in. So, I mean, he goes out for income tax evasion, okay? And then in comes zero four, and now Nixon's on the heels, and he's out like a couple of years later. And uh, and then next thing you know, Gerald Ford pardoned him. But I mean, I thought what was interesting on all of that was they got Gerald Ford, and the Democrats said, we're going to give it Gerald Ford, and that's it. We, I'm, I'm giving that kind of a, a flyover of Tucker's uh, notes, if you will, from what he talked about the other night. But I want you to realize, folks, what is significant about all of this is how the federal government, the, the bureaucrats within the CIA and FBI took out people that were in charge over there. And I, I think that's a very distinct thing to talk about. I mean, everyone, nobody, everyone overlooks, they say, okay, well, you know, Rob Woodward, who was Rob Woodward? He was the journalist that wrote the story, right? Everybody sees he was a journalist, but they don't realize, as Tucker Carlson talked about, he was not a journalist. He did not have journalistic credentials. Okay, but he was informed about all the the backroom deals, if you will, the the skeletons in the closets. He was informed of all the stuff and dealings that were going on in Washington. He knew about all that stuff because he was one of the inside guys. And all of a sudden, he has a story, and then the Washington Post hires him on as a journalist. I, I don't know how much of this was. I, I don't know. I you know you don't know how, how corrupt it can get until you actually see it unfold. But he. The, the, the burglars that broke into the Watergate apartment, four of the five were CIA up. I mean, these are things you got to know. So I just I thought that was interesting, too. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to jump into that because there is corruption, I think. And there's obviously, I, I think the very fact that they phonied up a FISA warrant, OK, uh, so that they could get a FISA warrant against Trump, OK, and on his campaign, they actually they phonied that up. And, and the very fact that they did that is evidence-based proof that there's something wrong there. And it's not just, I mean, a FISA warrant, which really people, our listeners don't realize, we have, per our Constitution, the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. And quite honestly, we also have other rights protected. Like, they cannot get a warrant uh, to search your person, if you will, without probable cause, okay? So what they did was they created the probable cause, I think I just want to find that compelling. And I think our listeners need to know that they actually phoning up a warrant and they were indicted for it. I mean, a guy went to jail for it or did time or he got in trouble for it. So bottom line is it happened. Now, has it happened in other occasions? Likely. But that's what I'm referring to. That's what I'm familiar with. But make no mistake about it. The very fact that our FBI was indicted because of a phony FISA warrant is something is something worth mentioning. And, uh, you know, our, our listeners need to know this. It's just it's just very, very interesting. Well, I want to jump a little bit to Alec Baldwin here. Now, Alec Baldwin's one of those woke actors who, uh, I remember one time he actually was trying to knock Hannity, Sean Hannity, on his show, saying Sean Hannity's, you know, a no-talent guy who, who basically, a no-talent guy who, who who didn't know how to do basic things, and he was just a, you know, he couldn't, I mean, anybody could do a radio show. So so Alec Baldwin gets on the air, and he does he does his radio show, and literally nobody called in. Nobody wanted to talk to him. And then his mother called. I'll never forget Alec Baldwin's mother called. He goes, hi, mom. So she's asking a question. So he's talking to his mother. But he, it, it, it's not easy to do a radio show interactively with listeners. It's not easy. It's not easy to talk for three hours. 
Okay. So I, I, I would tell you folks, it's just compelling that he was knocking on that. And so he went, he came out as a liberal there with Sean Hannity and uh, he's got a history of, of activism, woke activism in his, in his repertoire, if you will. So anyway, we all know what happened. Okay. He was doing a film. Okay. I believe the name of the show was called Russ. And, um, I guess there was a prop gun. It was an actual gun, but it was a prop and he was told it was fine. It's handled, safe to handle and whatnot. Well, he gets it, he fires the bullet, and there's a, there's a cartridge in there, and it fires a live round and shoots somebody, and that person died. So now this has been going on for a while and in New Mexico, because that's where they were filming it. And the New Mexico uh, district attorney, Mary Carmack Altwies, said that she's uh, arrived at the charges and said pointedly that he did pull the trigger. So they're going to charge him with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm amazed at that, but it is what it is. Uh, the district attorney commented about the charges after a thorough review of the evidence on the laws of the state of New Mexico. Um, they determined that there's sufficient evidence to file criminal charges against Baldwin and other members of the film crew. So I, maybe the guy that said the gun was empty is going to be up to too. I don't know. <clears throat> and uh, this, this district attorney said no one's above the law and everyone deserves justice. I think it's compelling. I, I would tell you going forward, I would tell you there's no question people be checking gun props. I mean, I, I yeah, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that that he actually pulled the trigger because you know, I mean, I'm not a film expert, but you don't have to do it. I mean, they could fake the gun firing. They could they could just fake it. All you got to do is point it and kind of move the gun a little bit, and it's going to look like it fired. I mean, nobody knows anything, and you know, it doesn't. You know, they just it's all film edited anyway. But anyway, this district attorney noted that the overall lack of adherence to gun safety protocols is what contributed to it. And I think everyone could see that. You know, of course, you had a bunch of woke liberals putting the show together, and uh, obviously, they're going to miss they're going to miss the the gun safety protocols because they're not familiar with guns. You know, they're busy they're busy demonizing guns, and they're not they're not up on the on the latest protocols. I mean, there's a lack of safety and standards on the set, and that, that's what the, the the district attorney said. And there were live rounds on the set, and they were mixed with the regular dummy rounds, so nobody knew, and nobody was checking those, or at least if they were checking, they weren't checking them consistently. They basically said somehow a live round got into a lo got into the gun, handed it Baldwin, and he didn't check it. I mean, and there's a responsibility on everybody's side. I mean, you know, bottom line is you got to know what the heck's going on. But how the heck a live round got into that gun is beyond me. But obviously it's a real gun. Maybe somebody was target practicing and left the live rounds in. I don't know. Maybe they took the gun out and target practice with it, you know, shooting cans or whatever. In the can. Maybe some cactus, some shoria cactus branches out there in the desert. Left the live round in there and, and Alec Baldwin just pulled the trigger and nobody checked the gun. There's, when they do, when they obviously there's going to be a lot that comes out on this. But, but I mean, uh, you know, basically the district attorney said Baldwin didn't do any of the things that he was supposed to do to make sure it was safe and everyone around him was safe because it was a real gun. And he had a responsibility, and that's the truth of it. Even if you know if you're handling if you're handling a prop gun with a pinzer open or something, and you know it won't fire, then you you can do whatever you want with it. But if you handed a real gun and you're told it's a prop gun, the first thing you're gonna do is throw the cartridge open. You're gonna throw the revolver, you know, cylinder open so you can see what's in there. You're gonna check it. I mean, anybody knows to do that. You don't just pull the trigger on a gun without knowing what's in there. And that's what the district attorney said. See, you're talking about New York, New Mexico district attorneys who are very familiar with gun protocols, dealing with Hollywood actors, woke Hollywood elites that don't know anything about gun protocols. You know, Baldwin pointed the gun at this Elena Hutchins and he just shot her. 
pulled the trigger, and boom, it was, oh, my goodness, an accident, you know, and it, it happened a couple of years ago. But Baldwin was, Baldwin was on uh, ABC News talking to George um, Streptococcus uh, bacteria, Joe Stephanopoulos, about his interaction with, with Hutchinson. So he's 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 basically, he was talking about this this in his interaction with this person as they as they carried out the scene rehearsal, which resulted in her death. And he said in the scene, he would have cocked the gun and, and he said, do you want to hear, do you, do you want to see that? And she said, well, yeah. And he, so he, he took the gun and he sort of cocked it and he said, I'm not going to pull the trigger, you know, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I mean, basically had him just, Hutchins had him adjust the angle at, at which he was holding the revolver. And they, and then, and then Baldwin told Stephanopoulos that he cocked the gun and he says, and then all of a sudden, uh, he let go of the hammer of the gun and went off. I mean, that's just what he said. I mean, I, I believe it was an accident. That manslaughter is the proper charge. I mean, you have to charge somebody when a death took place. Accidental homicide. That's what an accidental homicide is, is manslaughter. At least, I mean, I'm not a legal expert, but that's what I think it is. You know, but Baldwin said he didn't pull the trigger. He didn't pull the trigger. That's what he said. So he's up there saying that. But whatever the case is, the district attorney's got a, the district attorney's got her own, uh, got her own excuse for what happened there so and uh she's she's obviously going to handle it that way i mean look they're, they're not happy about how that all got handled okay and that's just the bottom line that's just the bottom line now the chinese have got some influence going on here now trump trump actually made some comments on this i thought it was interesting now trump basically is calling the chinese going after the crown jewels of the u.s economy and uh he's basically calling them out for it you know and um he highlights the many sectors of the United States economy that Chinese companies have infiltrated. He says China's been spending trillions of dollars to take over, the, as he calls them, the crown jewels of the U.S. economy. And he says they're buying up the technology, they're buying up food supplies, they're buying up farmland, they're buying up our minerals, natural resources, they're buying up ports and shipping terminals <clears throat> with the help of, of, of corrupt influence peddlers like the Biden crime family. They're gonna they're gonna try buying up the pillars of the U.S. energy industry because Biden doesn't care about them, and uh, they only care about fake energy, fake energy, nonsense energy. You know the stuff that doesn't work efficiently. So Trump emphasizes that the U.S. needs to enact aggressive new restrictions on Chinese ownership of any vital infrastructure in the U.S., including energy, technology, telecommunications, farmland, natural resources, medical supplies, and other strategic national assets. You know, it's funny, medical supplies, he mentions medical supplies. I thought what was compelling in all of that was the fact that, uh, you know, they, they actually, the, the medical supplies, they were talking about the masks and that, you know, how the PPEs were all cornered in the uh, in the world. I mean, what happened was the, the, the PPEs were just simply cornered in the, uh, when they when they declared, well, when they had the pandemic in 2020, China got all the PPEs around the world. They cornered the market, bought it all. So there's nothing left. And then Trump had to mobilize the private sector to get the PPEs to, uh, you know, to basically get what he needed from the PPE. So he was he was able to do that. I thought it was interesting. But anyway, you know, Trump laid out a, uh, a vision, basically, to stop companies from making these purchases. And, yeah, because he says they put the national security at risk. I tend to believe him. <clears throat> I think if we don't do something, the U.S. is going to be owned by China. I think that's very, very true. And he's going to, you know, he says, when I'm president again... <laughs> I will assure America's future remains firmly in America's hands, just as when when he was president before him. I thought that was interesting, too. And uh, anyway, the Chinese companies have been buying up American farmland in an alarming clip in recent years, including one worrying purchase last year by the 
by this Chinese group just miles off the Grand Forks Air Force Base in North Dakota as uh, Breitbart. I mean, I mean, bottom line is, I, I think I saw that article on Breitbart. But anyway, it's estimated that China owns about 192,000 acres of American farmland. That, that's what I'm getting. Ralph Norman basically made that statement. But Trump pointed out in his, in, his, in his little clip out, he pointed out the U.S. ports are even owned by Chinese companies. So Sam Olson, who works for The Hill, he wrote that the companies from China own and operate over 93 ports in 53 countries, including in Seattle, L.A. So who owns the port of Los Angeles? The Chinese. The Chinese own the port of Los Angeles. <laughs> China does not allow American companies to take over their critical infrastructure. Why should America do it? And this is really the kick that we all need to be looking at here. Um, I just think it's compelling. I think what we have to realize is a lot to what's going on here. And uh, China is at work trying to buy these things up. See, China's got a long-range plan. China has a long-range plan to basically put 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 to bed uh, these countries. See, they understand what we've been saying on our show, which was, you know, a an economy and a military second to none. Nobody messes with it. Well, they're trying to become the economic power of the world, and this is what's happening. So it's really compelling what they're doing right now. And and and, and you know, we're losing. We're losing our national security because we're selling our country out. Well, I wanted to point out something else. Uh, now, Mayorkas, I, we talked a little bit the last week about Mayorkas and uh, being impeached and how he's going to be impeached by these people. And, uh, you know, he's uh, Mayorkas wants to be sure that, uh, you know, he's trying to, they're impeaching Mayorkas. So this is amazing. And I think what's interesting is that Republicans are going to be impeaching him. I've been saying this all along. What's, what's interesting in all of this is that the uh, Mayorkas is, uh, is basically saying that look, um, you know, he's 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 fighting right now to to, to maintain uh, to maintain his position. And uh, you know, what's interesting is that he a quarter of a million people came over the border, and uh, you know, a quarter of a million people came over the border, and in December, I mean, there, there's a busted border over there. They got a guy in charge of the border who couldn't who couldn't figure out a cheese sandwich. I mean, literally. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out the border. So what he needs to do to save his job is to come over there to the to Congress and simply say, look, I'm only following direction. The border's open because, oh, Biden wants it open. I've been instructed what to do. So, Mr. Mayorkas, you're not you're not doing your job the way you think you need to do it. Are you trying to secure the border? No, I'm not trying to secure the border. I'm trying to keep the border open. That's what I'm being told to do. See, if he comes to Congress and makes those statements, they might they might keep him in there only because now they called out Biden for 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 keeping the border open. Is he following direction? You know, it's sort of like, you know, you wonder, you know, the Nuremberg trials when all those Nazis, all they could say was I was only following orders. I was only following orders. Well, here we are. I mean, I'm the person responsible for breaking this country, responsible for breaking the economy, if you will, the, the back of this country by open borders. <clears throat> that person is now going to be claiming that he's been given orders to do this <clears throat> because there's no way that guy's going to be out there saying what he's doing is going to secure the border when everyone knows the border's not secure. To put it in proper perspective, a quarter of a million people came over the border in December. Now, for our listeners who, who don't understand what a quarter of a million people look like, okay, a quarter of a million people would be the number of people that live in Northampton County, which is about Easton and Bethlehem area. So you take everybody up there in that county, Northampton County, or you would take, well, a two-thirds of, two of, of Berks County, okay, one quarter of Montgomery County, okay, half of Bucks County, half of Chester County, one-third of Lancaster County, 
that one, a quarter of a million people is a lot of people. Okay. It's a lot of people. And what's amazing to me is that, you know, again, that's what came over the border in one month. A quarter of a million people is five times what the Lincoln financial field holds. That's five home games for the Philadelphia Eagles, a quarter of a million people. So, so our listeners understand what that is. It's five home games. This is what my orcas led through in one month, folks, what he led through in one month. So I was saying all along when the Republicans take over Congress, what's going to be telling on all this is when they take over Congress, it's going to be, uh, they're going to be looking to impeach these appointments. Well, he's one of them that needs to go because, and of course, when they are, when he's under testimony, it's going to be interesting. Is he going to say, is he going to say one or two things? He's going to either take one or two approaches. Either he's going to say, I'm doing my job and I'm doing it very well and the border's secure. Or he's going to say, the border's not secure because I've been told to keep the border open. So he's either going to deny the border's secure. He's either going to deny that there's that the border bro- is broken and open, or he's going to admit the border is broken and open. And when he does that, well, either way, he's in trouble. Either way, he's going to be impeached. There's no question about it. And uh, Alejandro Mayorkas is going to be the first Homeland Security guy that gets impeached. I mean, I mean, the guy's committed willful action and willful actions that eroded the immigration system. That's the fact, folks. He's violated the law, and it's time for him to go. I mean, everyone, all of us can admit to that. All of us. He's in violation of his constitutional oath, willfully providing perjurous, false, and misleading testimony to Congress. He's got some real problems because he's trying to tell everybody he's basically lying to Congress that he's doing his job. I mean, they're going to, this is going to go over quick, but they're going to see, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if that guy actually admits to what happened. That's going to be interesting. Can he, is he going to admit to it or not? I would admit that. I don't think he will. I think he's just going to go down, but who knows? I mean, these guys are they're like 65, 75 years old. These guys are like up there in age. They don't want to go out looking like he's the guy that broke the economy or broke the, broke the immigration system. He doesn't want to go out that way. I can't imagine. I would take that bullet. If I was told to do this, look, I'm told not to close the border. I know what to do to close it. If you put any fifth grader over there, they're going to know what to do to close the border. Any fifth grader would know. First off, all you'd have to do is enforce the law. How about that? Mayorkas, why don't you just start by enforcing the law? That would be a start, okay? If he was enforcing the law and he said, the law is broken, I'm enforcing the law, but the law is broken and that's why there's so many people going over. If that's what he said, he might have a defense, maybe, I don't know. But see, he what he's done is indefensible. It's indefensible and I think, like I said, it's going to be very telling. It's going to be very, very telling here. I I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think he has a leg to stand on. I think he's going to have some real, real problem. Now, IRS agents are not coming, 87 thousand irs agents are not coming to the party i think that's going to be very delicious okay so what they did was the federal government wanted to get more money so i was watching there was there was watching a quote from some government official who said the reason we have to raise tax revenues is because we're losing tax revenue so we have to raise tax revenue by raising taxes and i think that statement's like half true and let me give you the the part that's true they, they do need to raise money <laughs> they need to they do need to their taxes are, I should say, the tax revenues are down. That's a fact, okay, because obviously there's fewer people working, okay, so revenues are down. But to increase the revenues, what they should be doing is increasing the number of workers in the workforce, increasing the size of the economy, thus increasing tax payers, okay? That's what should be happening. But whatever the case is, their plan was to hire 87,000 IRS agents, to crawl through the bank accounts of everybody who had one. So anyone who actually has a bank account, like a savings account, 
they're going to be they were going to be scrutinized by our by IRS agents. And these people were going to crawl through the bank accounts to find out where you made a purchase, like the uh, like the taxes like the tax assessors used to be in days of old. Used to be people would come into your house and actually assess what you owned. Say, oh, where did you get this? Or oh, where did you get that? And they literally would force you to pay taxes on those things. See, back in the 1800s, a lot there was a lot of underground economy. The government didn't have a lot of money because there wasn't a way for them to get money. It wasn't until the 1920s where the government actually instituted. I should say it was 1910s, maybe the, the 19 teens, back during World War One. I. I think it was back during World War One. The government instituted an income tax to pay for the war effort. That income tax was only to pay for the war effort of World War One. But you know, here we are, a hundred years later, and we still have it. So. Let's not miss it, folks. I mean, uh, they're permanent. And so, you know, they, they came into place and, you know, they're they're basically, they were put together to, because the government didn't have any real money. But but be, so before the IRS, they actually had tax assessors. So people that would come and they would go to your house and they would figure out things that you own, like number of horses. They'd come over, they would count your cows, they'd count your livestock. they get out there and count your field and they'd tax you on every one of them, okay? Because when you sold them, it was, everything was a cash economy. They didn't have credit cards back then. Everything was a cash economy. And uh, there was no real reporting in the banks or anything else. There was a lot of there was a lot of information that the government didn't get. So there was certain there was like a cash economy. So it was like an underground economy, okay, if you will. So they had tax assessors, and they did it primarily in the South. So it was part of the Reconstruction. The uh, the Northern uh, the government, if you will, uh, basically wanted to punish the Southerners, and they started throwing tax assessors down there into their properties and charging them taxes just for owning anything. And uh, that was part of it, too. So here come these IRS agents, these 87,000. Again, to put that in perspective, that's a lot of people, okay? That's one-tenth the number of people in Montgomery County, okay? Uh, we're going to be IRS agents around this country. So the Republicans are now killing that notion. That's not going to happen. I think that's interesting. And they're going to put that notion to bed as well. What we have to understand, folks, is Trump is going to run again. Trump is running again. Trump's already putting his campaign together. And he's basically trying to figure out how we can put this thing together. The uh, And he is going to. He's going to have, I think, the uh, success because the people are on his side. The people are on his side. You know, you got to realize <clears throat> a people <clears throat> in this country, <clears throat> they're really, really not happy with the Democrat plan for this country. You know, um, open borders, amnesty, sanctuary cities. They're not interested in any of that. They're certainly not interested in re record inflation. Okay. They're not they're not interested in that. They're not interested in, in, in having China buy our property up in our investments and our interests in this country. They're not interested in that. You know, they're not interested in supply line line problems. They're not interested they're not interested in, you know, I mean, uh they're just not interested in the government, that the Democrats way of instilling pain and suffering on Americans. Ending private health care. That's not that's not in the plan of that's not in the plan of, of Republicans, folks. They don't want to do that. <clears throat> you know. The Republican Party, as I stated before, when they were running things, okay, when they had all three when they had all three legislative bodies, the presidency, the Senate, and the, and the House, they passed beautiful trade deals, okay, with China, Canada, Mexico, and whatnot. Uh, they had that going. The stock market was at record highs, even after the adjustment or recalibration that, that occurs. I mean, but, you know, basically the NASDAQ was up 50%, the Dow was up 30%. They had five years of gains. I mean, keep in mind, five to ten percent of corrections are are normal. I mean, we're, record highs is unbelievable. Consumer confidence was at an all-time high. Gas prices were down to the lowest level in 20 years. <clears throat> the U.S. was the number one oil producer in the world. Think about it, folks. Remember that? 
wages were increasing for the first time in years, and that's without a mandatory minimum wage. I mean, you had the you had so much going on right now in this country that we we were booming, booming. Okay, I mean, we reshaped the Supreme Court, which we all know is a wonderful thing. Unemployment is lowest level in fifty years. And again, you know, I, I say it, you know, our pensions and 401ks were through the roof with almost $3 trillion in gains. I mean, this was what we had. I mean, success, <clears throat> we had decent, we had a lot of success in de-escalating the North Korean peninsula. We actually had leadership in the world to de-escalate the North Korean threat. Where is that leadership today in, in de-escalating what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia? What, where is that leadership? Who is it that's at work doing that? Where is that leadership? You know, we, we have foreign policy opportunities right now that we have nobody stepping into at all. Foreign policy opportunities right now that are real, that are in place right now, that we can't capitalize on because we have a dementia patient who's now under, under siege in Washington. And let me just pause on this for one moment. I mean, what's more delicious than old Biden going through the same, the same sort of uh, scrutiny that Trump's going through with these documents? Biden's going to go down with this. And what's happening is these unelected permanent fixtures in Washington are now singling him out because they know he's going to want to run again. They don't want to deal with it. And I think what's going to happen is they don't realize that oh, Biden is just going to say, well, I'm going to run anyway. He'll create a fist fight in that primary. And the last time the Democrats had a fist fight in the primary with an unpopular president, they got clobbered by Ronald Reagan, 1980. So I'm not so sure that this is going to be good for them. I think the Republicans are going to coalesce around Trump. Um, I think DeSantis will run, but I think DeSantis is going to be a kind of a fate in the background. I, I think I think the Trump is going to get, the, he's going to get the motion. And I think it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I think it's going to wake up. Amer Americans right now are waking up to what's going on there. They're tired of it. They're tired of it. This, we're going to still be at war, folks. Think about it. If the Ukraine-Russian war is still going on in 2024, you know, Trump's going to be up there saying, put a real leader in Washington and we'll make this go away. And Americans know that. Americans know that. Americans know they want they want peace. They don't want war. You know they want real tax reform. They want the they want their four hundred one k's to soar again. They want their they want their you know their their money back in their bank accounts. They want a border wall. They want to see it. They want to secure that border. That's what they want to do. You know it's interesting. I mean the uh, what's going on right now even with the COVID thing. But see, look, let me just comment a little bit on the economy. The little lifeblood and the engine of a country. That provide the country the ability to build and maintain the best military. Don't miss that. This is why China wants world domination. China knows their economy's on life support with with the tariffs that Trump and trade deals that Trump had in there. They knew that. They saw that America's economy was growing. That was leaving China in the dust. This is what was going on. And so the Chinese were nervous about it. So the plague, you know, the Chinese plague gets released around the world. And of course, the fear mongers are out there. So I mean, only in in this world of groupthink. Would you ever think that someone that you could get masses of people to agree to mandatory vaccinations for something that had a death rate, a fatality rate of less than 1%? Only in a group thing nation could that ever happen. Think about that. You know, if, if you're going to do a mandatory vaccine, think, think about this objectively. Let's put our objective perspectives on for a minute. If you're being asked a question, uh, you know, by, by somebody in healthcare saying, okay, do you want this vaccine for this virus? The first thing, the first question you're going to ask the doctor is, okay, how serious is the sickness I'm getting vaccinated against? And what are my chances for surviving that virus if I get it? Again, you know, because it's a not, it's a, remember, it's a vaccination that's not officially tested on, on a, you know, on, on, you know, it's not officially tested on people yet. It's a vaccination that passed the 
threshold of being tested on mice, but it hasn't been tested on people yet. So you're going to be asked to be a test subject. Now think about this. So here you are, you're in a, in a country, all right, you're, you're, this is going on, or you're in a state or whatever, and the doctor says, look, you know, you got this, you got this plague going on. We got this untested vaccination. It's untested, but it's worked on mice and it's been okay on mice, but it's untested on people. And uh, they've removed the liability uh, rules that follow these these drug companies. So you, they basically removed your ability to sue them in the event of getting sick on something. But look, this plague is going around. It's going on. Do, do you want to be vaccinated to protect you from this plague? The first question you're going to ask, you're going to ask if you're in a situation like that with a perspective, with a proper objective perspective, you're going to say, how serious is the plague that we're talking about? What's the what's the mortality rate? Well, it's less than 1%. All right, so the mortality rate is less than 1% if I get it. And that's what age group? Well, that's all age. Okay, well, what is it on my age group? Well, it's less than one half of 1%. Oh my goodness. So it's like less than one half of 1%. So it's even lower than that. Yes. And again, it hasn't been tested on people yet. No, it hasn't been tested. Well, do I really need to take it? Well, yeah, you do. You have to take it. Look, we want what's best for you. We're the federal government. You need to take this vaccination. Then they literally removed and censored the, 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 the perspectives that were out there telling people Think for yourself. Don't buy into the group think. Don't buy into big government propaganda. So this is what went on. You know, you know, don't mistake in me for somebody that doesn't believe in vaccinations. I mean, I'm vaccinated against polio and smallpox. Vaccinations can be a good thing. I just think that when it's not tested and it's being put out there in an emergency context, context and the fatality rate, the mortality rate, if you will, on the virus, if you catch it, if you're under 60 years old, is less than one half of 1%. I think most people would have opted out of that. I really, really do. I really, really do. And and this is where I'm at. So we're talking about the federal government, the trustworthiness of the federal government. But this is what happened. Somehow they got people to buy into this and they and people did it. Well, now you got this plague spread like crazy again in China because they were locked down for years over there. And all those none of those people have herd immunity at all. Then you have people in this country that are you know, understanding what's going on. And, and obviously they're, you know, right now they're, they've had it up to their eyes with, you know, the uh, the precautions, if you will, the mask mandates, the vaccination mandates. Mandate nation is out the window. And uh, anyway, so I, I got off the topic on that because what's going on over there, what's going on in China right now, they released a play back in 2020 to throw the world in upheaval. So guys like Trump, a popular president, wouldn't win, allegedly. And then, of course, we know what happened with the machines. But don't miss it. I mean, what we're talking about here is this is about world dominance. It's all about that. And I think what you're seeing right now is China's nervous. They're they're really, really nervous about what's happening because their economy is slipping right now. They're trying to open their economy because the supply lines are changing. Companies are leaving China. So now China's coming into this country trying to buy a property and the dementia patient doesn't know what's going on. I mean, you know, he doesn't know what's going on. I mean, he, he didn't know he had classified documents in his garage, allegedly. He didn't know. That was what he said initially. And then he later said, well, they were behind lock and key. Okay, so you admitted that there, first you said there were none, then you're saying there are some, but they're behind a $2 lock that's on that door. I mean, these are the facts, folks, that as we know them, this is what happened. And these are the people, the absolute incompetent people that are running this government. When we put people in charge who can't figure out a cheese sandwich, you can expect open borders and border chaos. You can expect high gas prices and, and 
an energy policy chaos. You can expect crime nation and increased crime, okay, okay, and Justice Department chaos. You can expect economic problems. You can expect global lack of global leadership. You can expect all these problems. Oh, Biden had broken this economy. He has broken the government. He has broken this country. It can be fixed, but these are things that these incompetent people put in. He baited Putin into a war because they wanted this. The military-industrial complex wanted this to happen. They could have bolstered up the Ukraine before Russia went in, and that would have prevented Russia from going in. But they didn't do it. Oh, Biden didn't provide that leadership. It didn't happen. So... As we look at what's going on right now around the world, we got to understand that real leadership is like, well, like Ronald Reagan standing there at the Berlin Wall saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's leadership. Where's Joe Biden on the global stage saying, Mr. Putin, end this fighting? They're not. There's nobody out there doing that at all. You know, this is the, this is what we're saying. The, the, this fight in the Ukraine, and you got to understand something. It is. I think it's a battle to keep the food prices up. Because when you look at the percentage of food in the world that comes out of the Ukraine and out of Russia, it's staggering what energy comes out of these countries and food comes out of these countries. These are like the bread baskets of Europe we're talking about. So these are under siege right now with bullets and, and ammo flying around. People are dying and all of this is going on. I mean, what's the reason for it? I mean, because of what? It, this is, I mean, when you look at what the real reason for the fighting is, it, it's just unbelievable. There is no real reason for it. What is Russia afraid of? What are they fighting for? You know, they don't believe that there's evildoers in, in, in the Ukraine punishing the Russian citizens living in those 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 eastern provinces. I, I don't believe they believe that. I think that they're just, they're trying to fight because they thought they could win a 10-day war. They thought they could go in there and run over to Ukraine in 10 days. What they didn't foresee was 340 days later, they'd still be fighting. They didn't think that was the case. They didn't, they didn't believe it. They didn't believe that a 10-day excursion, if you will, or a slight incursion would, would grow into something so large 340 days later. They didn't believe it. Well, now, folks, they're looking at what they're seeing, and they're not believing it even while they're seeing it. So, folks, we've got to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in and taking the time to be with us on this beautiful Saturday morning right here on AM Radio 11 AWFYL. Thanks for being with us. Be with us later today for our show, The Watchman, as we get into more interesting facts. Thanks again for being with us. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.